Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. How you doing, everyone? I'm Russ Salzberg, and I want you all to listen up and get a load of this. The legendary Casey Stengel once said of his 1962 Mets, Can anybody here play this game? Well, now, 57 years later, the year 2019... Is that question still appropriate with the state of affairs in Major League Baseball? I'll talk about it with Hall of Fame baseball writer for the Daily News, Bill Madden. So like I said, listen up, because you're really going to want to get a load of this. All right, folks, like I said, he's a Hall of Fame baseball writer for the Daily News. But Bill Madden is much, much more than that. Uh, I'm proud to say he's a friend, but he's written a ton of books. The thing that, to me, always separated Bill from anybody else was that he wasn't just interested in being first-breaking stories. He was also interested in being right. And if you've heard me over the past uh, year, far more people today are worried about being first and not worried about being right and with that he joins me now bill madden from down in florida how are we doing today my friend good russ how are you i'm i'm doing very well and you know folks i i should say uh i was reading bill's column this past sunday in the daily news and uh, it struck me and i'm reading it and it just knocked me over and I said, you know what, I gotta call Bill and have him on, so so here we are. Bill, just, you know, I, I thought the column was just terrific. You and I have more times than not thought alike, but you talk about the state of affairs in baseball and for a guy who's, listen, you've been at the Daily News for 41 years covering it. Um, you tell me why is it so, you know, what's so wrong right now? Because it seems that there is a lot wrong from what I see. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I touched a nerve on this column, Russ, because besides yourself, uh, I got uh, a bunch of texts from scouts and uh, uh, a couple of friends, my friends in the radio business, and everybody seemed to want to talk about this column, so I guess I should. It, it, uh, it's a terrific column. I'm not blowing smoke up your hooses. I'm just telling you straight out, my friend. It really is good, and it touched a lot of nerves, and it touched on a lot of things, so I'll, I'll let you get started with it. Well, um, it all really kind of began when I was, you know, perusing the Internet and, uh, and looking at all these attendance figures and, uh, and these stories about the decline of attendance in the month of April. And uh, it got me to thinking because uh, the commissioner's office, of course, always has the same uh, answer for this, uh, especially in April. They say it's the weather. Uh, but then I looked a little closer, and I noticed that the biggest decline in attendance is the Blue Jays. And they, the last time I looked, they play in a dome. Yes, they do. Uh, 
And uh, also, uh, I'm down here in Tampa Bay here, where the Rays uh, have had the best record in baseball for the first, for most of the first month of the season, and they're playing before one third uh, filled stadiums. I mean, it's more than half empty down here, and this is a pretty good team. Uh, and then you have uh, the Giants, of course, are down. Uh, just about everybody in baseball is down, with the exception of um, uh, the the uh, Angels, and I think that's purely because of Mike Trout. Uh, he's going to be an attraction no matter how good or bad the team is. You, you, but anyway, let, let, let me just interrupt one second. You mentioned the Giants because I thought that uh, that number to me stuck out because they've drawn, uh, as you pointed out in your column, three million. Uh, for 18 of the last 20 years, and now they're down 17%. Right. And I think the, the, the answer to all of this is twofold, not threefold, which would include the weather. It's twofold, Russ. I mean, in the Giants' case, um, they, uh, they were a team that was a – you could see coming into the season they were not going to be a very good team, and they didn't do a whole lot, if anything, to improve on that team over the winter. And you have a lot of teams like this. I mentioned, I mentioned, uh, I listed all the teams in baseball. I said the problem baseball has right now is the overall caliber of play. You've got maybe three or four teams that you could, could say are very good teams. And I would include the Red Sox in that group, even though right now they don't look like a very good team, or at least in the standings, but they're starting to come on now. But anyway, and, you have too many bad teams in baseball right now. You have the one group of teams that includes the Orioles and the Royals and the White Sox, those teams who are either tanking or coming out of tanking. But the bottom line is they're still not very good teams. In fact, they're throw the Marlins in there as well. They're bad to awful teams. Mm-hmm. And then you have a whole group of teams like the Pirates and, and the Blue Jays. I'll throw them in that mix because uh, they've got some decent pitching but not much else. Uh, you got teams like those who are not tanking, but they're just not very good, and uh, they didn't spend a whole lot. They don't spend a whole lot of money on talent, and as a result of that, uh, this was one of the reasons why the Yankees were able to do so well in the month of April, despite the fact that half their team is on the disabled list. Uh, they're playing with AAA caliber players, and yet they're winning games. And the reason for that is because of the schedule. Yeah, I thought, I'm sorry. I, I, I thought that was interesting when you pointed it out, and I didn't even think of it that way. But you know, they finished April, as you said, 17 and 11, but they got fat on the Angels and the Giants, right? And the, and the Orioles. Uh, well, actually, they didn't get fat on the Orioles. They should have gotten. <laughs> that was the one team they had trouble with. Uh, but but anyway, I mean, it was their schedule, and then they went into Arizona, and all of a sudden they ran into Zach Greinke, and they got and they got stopped cold, uh, and they lost both games in Arizona to finish out the, what was otherwise a very successful road trip. So um, this is a problem that baseball has. They have too many bad teams in baseball, not enough really good teams. And then you throw on top of that the analytics issue. And I've been harping on this for a few years now. Uh, sometimes I feel like to deaf ears, but uh, a lot of people, definitely the scouts, get it. And that is the, what the, the analytics has done to baseball is basically sucked all the action out of the game. Now the emphasis is on uppercut swings to hit home runs, 
swinging away, hard hitting, and the shifts, and uh, you know, bunting is out now. St- stolen bases are out. All of, all of the things that really excite the fans are no longer in vogue in baseball. And as a result of that, you have a situation in baseball where the strikeouts continue, they continue to set strikeout records, and so they continue to set home run records, and the walks are up, the hit-by-pitches are up. All the things in baseball, with the exception of the home runs, the things that, you know, do we really want to see these things? And uh, when it came down to um, the, uh, the the walks especially and the, and the strikeouts, uh, somebody came up with a, I forget what it was last year, somebody came up with a stat, or I think it was Sports Illustrated or somebody like that, that a third of baseball, almost two-thirds of baseball, is uh, no action. It's either a strikeout, a walk, <laughs> or a home run. There's no action on the field. And last year, as you know, Russ, Russ, last year was the first time in history we had more hits. I mean, I'm sorry, we more, had more strikeout. strikeouts than hits. Yeah, and that's going to keep that's going to keep trending that way. And to me, that's the biggest crime of all was what's happened to baseball. Well, well, you, you touched on something about you know the analytics and the uppercut listen i never wanted to be one of those old fart dinosaurs that say you know in my day the game was better and and you know we watched roughly at you and i roughly at the same time growing up and you know the same type of heroes I, I mean listen we grew up with power hitters we grew up with mickey and 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 willie and and and, and hank aaron we grew up with all those guys and 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 harman killebrew and people who who hit with power and, and the frank robinsons but they also did all the other things and and you just said on something every you know people talk about everybody likes the home run i mean you know listen aaron judge you know took captured New York by storm, and well, he should. I mean, you know, he, he's a great young man and exciting when he gets to the plate, but you, you, you touched on stealing bases and hitting the opposite way and laying down bunts, and it's like, it's not done anymore. No, it's not. Well, I'll throw this one at you, Russ. Uh, you can check me on this. Mickey Mantle led the American League in strikeouts either seven or eight times. I'm not sure which. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, in all of those seasons, he led the major. He led the American League in strikeouts. He never came close to having more strikeouts than hits <laughs> in all of his years of, in baseball. And what does that tell you? That tells you that Mickey Mantle was a complete player. He got base hits. He got doubles. He got triples. He got all those other things that went along with the home runs. And, and the strikeouts. And um, we don't have that today. I mean, Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper, a $330 million player, is going to wind up with many more strikeouts than base hits by the time his career is over. He's already on his way. He did it last year, and he's well ahead of, ahead of that pace this year. And this is what's happening in baseball. They don't care about striking out anymore. You, you know, Bill, you, you would appreciate this. M- many years ago with as you know, my dear friend Yogi, and uh, it was also he was with Whitey. They, they Whitey Ford. They were both down. In fact, it was still when they were in Fort Lauderdale. Okay, so that's how long this conversation go- goes back. And it was spring training, and um, I had asked them, you know, the players today, could they play uh, with the players yesterday, and vice versa? 
And Whitey and Yogi uh, both emphatically said this. If you took the 400 from when we started, which was, you know, when they started playing, there were 16 teams, so 25, you know, 400 players. If you took the 400 from our era and the 400, the best 400 from today's era, um, well, that must have been when we had this conversation in the late 80s or early 90s, he said, yeah, we we could all play with each other. But you brought out an interesting point in, in this column that I'm talking about. That and I b- totally agree that there are like 50 to 100 AAA players today in the big leagues maras- uh, masquerading as major leaguers. I thought that was a great comment, and I believe that to be true. Yeah, well, I mean, all you got to do is Russ, you sit in front of your television, and you watch these games, and they bring in these relief pitchers by the dozens, and what do they do? The first thing they do is ball one, ball two, walks, and and these are minor league pitchers, but, you know, because they can throw 97 miles an hour, they're in the big leagues, and, they're, and this is all part of the new scheme now in baseball where starting pitchers are out of the game in the fifth inning, and now you go to a, a parade of bullpen uh, people, and uh, most of these bullpen guys are these big, strong guys that throw, you know, 95 to 100 miles an hour, but that doesn't make them major leaguers if they don't have command. And they don't teach command anymore. They don't teach they don't teach change-ups anymore and developing these pitchers. All they want them to do is throw hard. You, you know, and the worst thing about it all, you know, in, in, in conjunction with this, what really got me riled up last week was <laughs> I read another article where the commissioner was in town in New York meeting with the APSE sports editors, and one of the things he touched on was expansion to, from 30 to 32 teams. I said, are you kidding me? Expansion? I mean, look around baseball. There's so many bad teams in baseball. We're going to add two more of them? And Well, of course, they would do it out of pure greed so they can charge $100 million to some some you know bureaucrats from Portland, Oregon, or wherever to get a Major League Baseball team. Uh, that's the last thing baseball needs to be thinking about is expansion. I just wish they could bring back the contraction idea that Seelig came up with a few years ago. Which was? he, You know, he was pro- throwing it out there that if they didn't get an agreement with the players, they were re- ready to contract two teams. Right. Twins, and I think it was the Expos. Yes, okay. Uh, they never got around to doing it, and they would have faced all kinds of lawsuits and everything else, but... That was the right thing to do. The baseball needs to get rid of teams, not add them. The two teams down here in Florida, it's a joke what they're drawing. Miami, there's nobody at their games. Of course, Derek Jeter didn't help by trading away the whole team and then expecting the fans would still come out. And then we have the situation here in Tampa where I think the Rays are going to be out of here uh, probably before their lease is up. Uh, because um, When is the lease up? It just isn't working here. Ooh. Their lease is up in about seven or eight more years. Mm. But, um, um, you know, leases are made to be broken, as you well know, Russ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gonna... You know, Bill, let me, let's touch on uh, the Marlins for a second, if I may, because you are down in Florida. Look, uh, I, I, I'm not a an executive. Um, I don't know what all the situation was, uh, but Derek went down there and... Um, you know, with ownership and whatever, uh, his partners, what did they just decide going in from what you know that 
we just had to unload everybody, or once they got in, did they ascertain that, well, this is worse than we thought, and that they did it from there? Well, here's what happened, Russ. They, first of all, they grossly overpaid for that team. A uh, billion dollars for the Miami Marlins, are you kidding me? They grossly overpaid for it, and once they did that, they were obviously highly leveraged in order to make that buy the team. Uh, the commissioner uh, wanted Derek Jeter in the game, and so uh, the best guy for that team would have been, uh, I forget his name right now, but he's, he's a Cuban, Cuban-born Cuban um, executive in Miami. Right. And But he was in the bidding, but he bid something like $700 million for it, and he said, that's, that's what this team is worth, and I'm not going a penny more than that. And so he didn't get the team. He should have gotten the team because he knew what it was worth. Anyway, they got the team. They overpaid grossly for it. And now they have to pay off the debt. And so what they did was they said, well, uh, it's not it's not working here, even though we have some good players. Uh, we didn't win. We had a losing season last year or whatever. So we're going to just break this whole thing up and, and start all over again. And this is now the third time that's that's happened in Miami with that franchise. First, it was uh, Wayne Huizenga did it, and then Laurie, Jeffrey Laurie did it. Right. And now these guys are doing it. But it's one thing to to do that. But what made it even worse is they haven't gotten anything back for all these players that they traded: Stanton, Yelich, uh, Rayamudo. All these players that they got rid of, they've got nothing to show for it right now. The Yelich trade especially, that I means that's a disaster. Yeah. They've got four players back for him. He had a team-friendly contract. It wasn't like they had to trade him. He has a team-friendly contract through 2022. So they could have built around him. Same thing with the catcher. They could have built around him. But instead, they traded him for prospects, and none of the prospects they got back for Yelich are ever going to make it any substantially in the major leagues, and the Rayamuto prospects—they've got two pitchers from A-ball back for him. Who knows when they'll ever be here? If they're ever going to be here? Yeah, didn't didn't, so, didn't you point out also that one of the the, the or a key prospect? Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, uh, that they got in the um, Yellage deal was it in the Yellage deal that he was just sent down or something? That the, 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 yeah, uh, Lewis Brinson, was right. the key guy in that deal. And everybody knew from the beginning that this guy had, he, he's very, he's got a lot of athleticism. He looks like a good player, but, you know, he's not a good player. I mean, he's, he strikes out way too much, and they sent him down to the minor leagues with, you know, what, I don't know, I think he had 70 strikeouts and, uh, you know, I, I forget how many at bats, but um, he's never going to make it. Uh, and he was the key guy in that deal. Uh, so, uh, Milwaukee did a good job at, at, at hyping him. Fle- yeah, fleecing. Kind of, and, kind of and, reminds me yeah. what the Yankees used to do years ago and hyping their minor league players and then stealing <laughs> other teams' best players for them. Yeah, let me ask you this, Bill. Uh, you, you touched on it with you know these big guys that come up and so what if they can throw 98, 100. I don't know if it's because of the advent that now we see with every pitch how fast, you know, somebody throws. And they're, they're always talking about, wow, he came in and, wow, that one was at 98, that one was at 99. Bill, gr- growing up, we watched guys, 
we watch the Koufaxes and the Gibsons and, 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 and the Marischals and, you know, I guess going back, you know, Allie Reynolds, you know, Drysdale and Bunnings and what. They all threw heat. But, but they didn't just throw, they pitched. Is the game, uh, it, it, you know, it's not just to me, not just the home runs, but is everybody just caught up with the speed, how fast a guy can throw? I, to me, the dumbest statistic in all of baseball is exit velocity. Who gives a crap about how fast the ball goes out of the park? Well, they love the fact that, you know, these guys are hitting the ball harder today. And um, it's like I was saying to you before, Russ. I mean, the problem is they are not developing, especially starting pitchers anymore. They're not. They're just not doing it. Uh, and as a result, uh, the only thing they're emphasizing is velocity. Because mostly uh, these guys, that they sign these pitchers, and before you know it, they've, they've turned them into relief pitchers because they throw hard. And that's what's happening. You don't see guys... You see so many of these pitchers today, they don't have command. They don't know how to throw a changeup. And, uh, and and this is what's... It's just... It's very frustrating for a person like myself or, or, or yourself to watch these pitchers and see how many of them just really don't know how to pitch. And that's because of player development. That's what's happening in the player development. So that's, again, we go back to the analytics people because all they care about is, is um, velocity. And it's, it's, it's really it's, it's hurting the game. There's well, no question about it. Nobody wants to see all these guys striking out like this. Well, you, you know what? I'm, you're going to talk about throwing and, and pitching as opposed to throwing. And my favorite example of that, of a guy who's got all the talent in the world, and sometimes he, he just really shows it, is a guy here for the Mets, Noah Syndergaard. And, and my, my thing about Noah is this. When he learns how to pitch on a consistent basis and not fall into the trap of throwing and, and worrying about the speed, that's when he's really going to be on top of his game. It's no coincidence that his last game, not only did he pitch a complete game shutout, he also happened to hit, you know, the, the, the lone, the home run in the game for a, a one nothing victory. But, you know, that, that, um, that harkens me even back. Well, I mentioned Koufax before. When did Koufax become great? When he learned how to pitch. And not throw. I, I just, you know, Gidry, Ron Gidry, who we both know very well, told me when guys, the kids come up today, they baby these kids. They don't, they just baby him and baby him instead of, you know, the big, strong, strapping guys teach him what to do and to do it properly. And he says they don't do that. Well, when you talk about Syndergaard, uh, especially, um, you may remember a couple of years ago uh, when he came up, he fell in love with all the hype he was getting, and he fell in love with his fastball, and he fell in love with velocity. And so over the winter, he went home and bulked up. Do you remember that? Yes, sir. And then he came back and missed the whole season. He almost, for the love of velocity, he almost ruined his career. You, you, you know what? You nailed it right right then and there. And and now the converse, I'll say, a guy who had problems, and then he came to the Mets and then was out for about a year and a half, uh, Zach Wheeler, to me, that time off has taught him how to be a pitcher. He doesn't throw, he pitches. 
Yep, I would agree with that. And I think I think maybe you're right. I think I think maybe Syndergaard is starting to see the light. If he is, it's going to be a big advantage for the Mets because, um, like you said before, Russ, if he ever learns to pitch, uh, he really will be living up to the hype. Yeah, let, let, let me ask you this, Bill. Uh, you know, I, I have you here. Certainly, we ha- w- want to touch on both the Mets and uh, the Yankees. S- since I mentioned, you know, uh, Wheeler and, and uh, Syndergaard, um, you, you know, let's touch on them first. Your thoughts on the Mets and, you know, um, how they look up to now and moving forward. What do you think? Well, um, the Mets always concern me because uh, we put so much emphasis on their pitching uh, their starting pitching especially and um, once again there's starting to be some red flags there, Matt's is down again Yes, he seems to always be down every other week so you can't really count on him uh, giving them a full season of uh, relative excellence Uh, and um, they really don't really have a fifth starter uh, I thought the familiar sign was a terrible sign. Me too. Uh, Hated it. Uh, I don't know what they were thinking about bringing that guy back. But anyway, he's on the disabled list now. And maybe to their advantage, he'll never come back. I don't know. But um, they have issues in the bullpen. They have issues at the back end of their rotation. And um, I think the everyday lineup is pretty good. Uh, and I think it's good enough. I think they're good enough to contend in that in that division if the pitching holds up is supplemented holds up and you know just doesn't you know doesn't get hurt because this is a very interesting division. I thought that was the most competitive division in baseball going into this season. Mm-hmm. And it is competitive but in the wrong way. Yeah, Nobody's they, playing very good baseball in that division. The Nationals are all banged up. I thought they were the best team in the division on paper. And they're all banged up, and they're not playing well. And the managers have—he's under fire right now. And the Phillies, you know, I—I still—I uh, still—I'm not a big Bryce Harper fan, and um, uh, we'll see how that works out with the Phillies and Bryce Harper, and whether he has an MVP season for them because he's going to need to do that. Uh, they are getting better pitching in the back of their division and the back of their rotation than I thought they were going to get. A couple of guys are starting to. Step forward. I thought it was going to be a uh, an Aaron Nola and and the four question marks, but they're getting betting pitcher. And if that continues, then I think they have a good chance of winning the division. I think they're they're the team to to beat. Well, I'm just curious. Why don't you? Uh, I, is what 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 is it about Bryce Harper? You know, you mentioned his strikeouts earlier. Is, is that what bothers you about him? You, you like you say you're not enamored with him. Well, the strikeouts. I'm a big guy on strikeouts to hits. Okay. If a guy has more hits than strikeouts, I like him. If he got, if it's the other way around, I don't like him. It's as simple as that. Okay. And they tell me, guys, I'm pretty close with a couple of top guys in the Washington system uh, organization over there. And they told me last year that while he wasn't a bad guy, he was a diva in that clubhouse. And that, in turn caused problems for for Davey Martinez in the fact that he always seemed to be in a situation where he had to give Harper special treatment that other guys didn't get, and that was a problem on that team. 
I think it's going to, if, if that's true, then it's going to definitely be a problem in Philadelphia where, you know, they basically turned over the keys to the city to them. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, all right, let, let's, let's move over to uh, the Yankees and the American League East. Obviously, the Yankees are doing it, as you say, with, you know, some AAA players. Uh, but w- for whatever the reason, they've done okay with everybody being hurt. Um, let let's say they get everybody back. Your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the biggest thing the Yankees have going for them right now is chemistry. They got a, a really good team chemistry there with these kids that are filling in. This Ushula at third base. Uh, this kid's a player. Uh, nobody knew it at the time, but he's a player. And, uh, you know, bet- between him and uh, LeMahieu, these are the kind of guys that you, they, they brought in who are players, and who are more than just guys that go up there and strike out or hit home runs or whatever. They, they put the ball in play. They play the game the way it's supposed to be played. And um, the more guys you have like that, the better you're going to be, in my opinion. I think the team on the field, I mean, obviously they're going to get judged back at they're not going to have their team back until after the All-Star break. Let's, let's be clear about that. Okay. Judge is not coming back. I don't know about Aaron Hicks. Maybe he'll be back. Um, I don't know about Stanton either. Stanton's another one of these injuries that just seems to not be getting better. Severino's not going to be back. I think the biggest problem for the Yankees is clearly pitching. And they don't have one guy that they can throw out there and say, okay, we we're winning today, folks. I thought that guy might be Paxton, Paxton yeah. but he's hurt. Yeah, now and Paxton, if you look at his record, is always hurt mm-hmm. every year. He's on the disabled list for whatever reasons, and so you can't say Tanaka's one of those guys. I mean, Tanaka, he'll give you two or three really good starts. He'll give you two or three so-so starts, and then he'll give you two or three clunkers. You shake your head at. So, you know, when you look at that rotation of theirs, it's it's really shallow. And I think that ultimately will be the difference between the Yankees and the Red Sox because the Red Sox starting pitching got off to a horrendous start. But uh, it looks like it's starting to come around now. They've had better outings from Sale and Porcello and um, Price is Price. So I think that's going to be the difference between those two teams. Tampa Bay is a mystery to me. I mean, I see this team every day down here, and they have very good pitching, as they always do. The Rays seem to find pitching. But I hate this thing with the opener that they use because now they're using it two out of five times around the rotation. And I just don't think you – I don't see how you can continue to do that and, and win a division that way. Uh, they're going to have to come up with another starting pitcher somewhere. If yeah. they do, they could be a team. They could be a, a sleeper team in this division. You, you just mentioned something. And I'd like to just go back to Ursula and, and Lemayu, and and you know they they play the game, if you will, you know the right way. And, and listen, Lemayu, for you, you can talk about all big signings. That was a great signing, and it, you know the guy plays baseball flat out, and, and he knows how to play baseball. And I wonder. If that's going to teach the Yankees a lesson, the reason I say that, then once we get to the postseason, as you just said, Bill, you win with pitching 
and you got to know how to manufacture runs. And, you know, I'll go back to the final game when they lost uh, last year in the postseason. You know, Sanchez almost hit hit it out, but he didn't hit it out. But he didn't need to hit it out. All they needed was a single at the time. The the Yankees just, you know, when everybody's healthy, that's great that they got thumpers in the lineup. But my only criticism is you still need to play small ball now and then. And it's like because they don't do it. And that's, I, I think, throughout Major League Baseball in general, they don't know how to do it anymore. Like like small ball is a dying, it, it, yes, it's it gone. That was the beginning of our conversation today, Russ. Yep, yep. <laughs> Whatever happened to small ball? It, uh, it's, it's gone. Well, well, you touched on something else in your terrific column, uh, uh, Bill, and that's with Little League people today. And I, I thought that was, the way you wrapped it up, it, it's like when we were kids, you had a Little League game, uh, you had maybe two, you had a practice. Now it's like... You know, first of all, kids have other things to do, but I don't see kids being taught the right way. And I, I see, I hear all these stories from from people who I, I, I work with, who they have sons or, or nephews or grandsons in a little league. It's like, oh, the, the kid's in a slump. I'm taking him to a, not not his his team, his coach practice. I'm taking him to an instructor. You know, I'm I'm, I'm spending X amount of dollars an hour. It, it's like. What are we doing? What are we doing, Bill? Well, that's what's happened. That's what's happened to baseball in general in this country. I mean, Little League is vanishing. Yeah. What's happening in these in these towns, and I, I just look at some of the towns around here where I live in Florida now, uh, they don't have a Little League down here anymore. They have, they have uh, what they have is these travel squads. Right. So what's happening in town, instead of, you know, you and your neighbors and all, all, all the kids in, in grade school, they're all playing Little League. No more. They're not playing. They don't have a Little League anymore. What they have is the the best players, the gifted players. Tra- uh, travel teams? These tra- they go on these travel teams, and the parents are spending mi- <laughs> thousands and thousands of dollars to put them on these travel squads, and then they go to these – they go to these uh, – uh, I wouldn't even call them clinics. They go to these uh, exhibition where they show off their fastball, and you know, they, they uh, and they have scouts there and all this other stuff. And all of this costs a lot of money. And uh, meanwhile, the the fun of the game has gone out of it for for the for the nation's youth. And these kids, you know, my grandson who I would love to see playing baseball, is not playing baseball. He's playing lacrosse, and he's playing soccer. There you go. And that's the way it is all over. Yep. That, 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 I, and I'll tell you, my biggest treat, I'm proud to say, and, and, and my grandsons are a little younger. I, I, I got a four-and-a-half-year-old, a three-and-a-half-year-old, and a 17-month. So the 17-month is not there yet. But I take the the uh, the um, the five the four-and-a-half and three-and-a-half I've been instructed. I'm the guy who's been drafted to take them to beginners t-ball, and it is just the greatest thing in the world to watch. But you know why I say it? Because they're just having fun at the littlest level, learning. But right. listen, 
Listen, have, having said that, I, I must touch on something with you because uh, I know you've writ- written about it, and I've certainly been vocal about it here on, on a few occasions. You mentioned before about greed in the game. And, you know, for example, if the baseball doesn't need expansion and the only reason for it is for greed, um, gambling. And you've written about this, and I've been very vocal about it. All of a sudden, everything that was taboo, everything that was taboo. Now, it's not just baseball, but you're here. You're a Hall of Fame baseball writer, so I'm talking to you about baseball. You know, I remember when, when Mickey and Willie... You know, weren't allowed to be greeters at casinos in, in, in what was it, Atlantic City? They they weren't allowed to be yeah, gr- greeters. We've come a long way from that. Yeah, we've come <laughs> a long way from that. And now everybody's buying in. We got partners that we're, we're partners with casinos, and Pete Rose remains out. Now, to right. me, that's that's about as hypocritical of anything going on in this country as I've seen. Well, I've been saying for a long time, if the baseball writers ever elect Barry Bonds and Clemens to the Hall of Fame, uh, then all bets have got to be off. No pun intended for Pete Rose. Right. Because I have always believed this. The steroids guy, what the steroids guys did was far worse than what Pete Rose did, even though he broke baseball's cardinal rule. He didn't fix any games, or and, and he certainly... Every one of his hits was legitimate, and um, he didn't screw up the record books. Uh, So, you know, at a point, when it comes down to a point where all of a sudden everybody's getting into the Hall of Fame, then Pete Rose should not be the one guy sitting out. Because uh, I just don't, you know, know, it it comes to a point where... um, it's as long as it's okay to be restrictive, but once we cease being restrictive, then you got to let Pete Rose in, especially now that gambling is legal in baseball. Yeah, how do you feel about that? Forget Pete, Pete for a second here. In general, what's your gut feeling on the gambling being allowed? Well, I won't even just say baseball. Let's say with all sports, professional sports. Well. You know, it's it was inevitable, I guess. I mean, I don't blame baseball for that. They had nothing to do with this. I mean, you had the state of New Jersey and all these other states mm-hmm. legalizing gambling. What what was baseball supposed to do? But at the same time, they're getting in bed with these casinos under 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 the guise of try, trying to control it, quote unquote, control it. You know, and they get into bed with these casinos, and so I mean, when I when I read. Um, couple months ago that that they had put out this thing where the uh, managers have to submit their lineups to the major league office so that they can be submitted to the casinos to set the gambling line i said what in the hell is happening here yeah this is unbelievable yeah I be- uh, believe me when i read that about you the believe me i went right on on here talking about it that that just absolutely that told me you know that's the tail uh is, is wagging the dog well and they say they're doing it to con- keep it under control so they can have a control over this thing what they're doing is for is because they're getting a huge cut from these casinos that's why they're doing sure. it. it's all about money sure well bill i have to tell you uh 
I, I can talk to you, forget for an hour, I can talk to you for 24 hours. F- folks, this is the great uh, Hall of Fame baseball writer, Bill Madden, uh, 41 years for the Daily News. I mean, stronger than ever, my friend. I can't thank you enough for being here, and I hope, uh, hope we get a chance to do this again soon, my friend. Okay, Russ. We'll talk soon. Thank you very much, Bill Madden. Folks, that is a wrap on today. I want to thank Bill, of course. And I really want to thank all of you for getting a load of this. And now I'd like to get a load of you. Let me know your thoughts on my conversation today with Bill Madden. You can contact me on Twitter at Russ Salzberg, on Facebook. You can also visit my website, russsalzberg.com. Big thanks to the big man across the way here, Crash, a.k.a. Mike Ragliano, to Tim Einickel, my OG Podcast Network producer, Chris Rudsky, the head of the OG Podcast Network, Craig Schwag, 77 WABC Program Director, is outstanding assistant Matt Dahl, and last but certainly not least, you guys and gals out there, because without you guys and gals out there, I'd have nobody here to be talking to. So until next time, it is I, Russ Salzberg, saying to all of you, bye-bye, so long, and farewell. Have a great week. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.